This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. There's hope in Congress now that lawmakers could be finalizing a proposed skinny version of a coronavirus relief package. Everything is possible. Uh, if there's progress, if there's a way forward, then uh, we'll come back and, and deal with it. That is Senate Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. The GOP package adds up to an estimated $500 billion. It includes extended payments for unemployed people and smaller businesses, along with $10 billion for the Postal Service. That's something House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and her fellow Democrats are demanding. Mark Meadows is the White House Chief of Staff. Postal was part of the negotiations, so if she's willing to do that, let's add in the things that we can agree upon, perhaps funding for school, PPP, maybe even the stimulus check, although I don't know that we could get an agreement on that. Negotiations over a far larger coronavirus relief bill could resume after Labor Day, but in the meantime, this is very welcome news, Dave, for the millions of jobless Americans and Small business owners, potentially some relief, hopefully. Yes, it is. And $500 billion is the number that economists have been throwing around. I've heard an economist say it needs to be more like a trillion. Maybe that's over a longer time period. But we don't have the same kind of a fundamental economic problem that we had during the Great Recession of 2009. So the thinking is that what we need for this is a, a flood of money, uh, a deluge of money, to uh, keep people employed, to keep businesses open until the vaccine comes. The nice thing is that there is there is an end game here. There is a vaccine of one type or another on the way, which should put things back to normal. What the economists are saying is we made a big mistake back in 2008, 2009 by being parsimonious with the federal aid. And as a result, the recession dragged on for three years before we got back to where we were. I don't think any of us wants to see that happen again. And inflation does not seem to be a major factor yet, at least. So the $500 billion figure is very good news. Remind us how the Postal Service has become such a big issue now in this latest round of talks. Well, it seemed to begin when the Postmaster General issued what he thought would be just a a nice little heads up to elections departments in, I think, 46 states, saying that if you're going to send your ballots out by third-class mail, by bulk mail, the post office delivery might not be in time because of some of the tight deadlines they had on getting them out and getting them returned. So it could be longer than 10 days. Uh, The other part of that, though, was saying, so instead, if you're worried about that, send them out by first-class mail. Now, that's Mm -hmm. a considerable expense when when you're talking about millions of ballots being sent out, but uh, they seem to be saying that if you set it up by first-class mail, we can guarantee one- to two-day delivery. And suddenly people began freaking out. Of course, the president, as usual, stuck his foot in it by implying that this was a deliberate attempt to slow down uh, voting. But I never understood why that would help him at all politically, because it slows down drug deliveries for veterans and, and older people, which is part of his constituency. To me, though, it looked like, uh, remember when the, well, you probably don't because you're a young guy, but remember when the, when the telephone booths began disappearing? They started yeah. trucking the telephone booths sure. away. Did people say, hey, you're taking away our ability <laughs> to make phone calls? No, because we had an alternative. We had, we had cell phones. It didn't need the phone booths anymore. What the post office is saying, and this goes back to the Obama administration, is we're hemorrhaging money. We have huge, a huge retirement commitment, and there's just not that much first-class mail anymore. So we don't need the sorting machines, and we don't need the extra people. We have to streamline, et cetera. That should be, to me, a separate issue from this. So I'm glad that they've suspended the um, the removal of the machines to mollify people, at least through the election. But at some point, the post office is going to have to to modernize to be feasible. 
One more note about this emerging legislation in Congress. I've seen at least one Republican say that this package could include $300 in those weekly extra federal payments uh, for unemployed workers. The last package we know provided $600. Democrats want to keep it at that rate. Of course, the GOP is pushing for the, the less amounts. This is a huge sticking point. I mean, is there any compromise possible here? I hope so. I hope this isn't delayed because of the difference between 300 and 600. To me, the the goal is to force money into the economy to prevent another three-year recession. And, you know, if somebody gets another 300 bucks a week they don't deserve, quote-unquote, as long as they spend it somewhere, it's a good thing. As long as they buy something with it, as long as... Aaron, as long as they don't take the currency and set fire to it, uh, I say give it to them. College campuses are in a quandary. Cases and clusters keep popping up at universities that decided to welcome back students. That includes Notre Dame. We have seen a dramatic increase in the number of positive cases of COVID-19 in your first weeks back on campus. We have now had 147 positive cases. That's the university's president, Father John Jenkins. He says for now, Notre Dame is canceling in-person classes. For at least the next two weeks, we will move undergraduate classes to remote instruction, close public spaces on campus, and restrict residence halls to residents only. Off-campus students should remain in residences off-campus, associate with housemates only, and not come to campus for this period. And he had this warning. If these steps are not successful, we will have to send students home, as we did last spring. And other universities are in a similar position. A third school in the University of North Carolina system reported a COVID-19 cluster in off-campus housing. And Michigan State opted to shift to online instruction. Annalise McSood is an incoming freshman. I wish they would have told us earlier because then I wouldn't have had all this time building up this excitement for this experience that I'm not going to get to have. Well, I don't think it's any surprise that we're seeing clusters pop up on college campuses. But what should a university do if they've already opened and now they have this situation they're dealing with? Well, uh, parents I know have a voice in this. They're paying a lot of money, in most cases, to send these kids to school. There's no point in having them get sick. And it'd be nice to have earlier notice. But I don't know how you predict this. There's there's so much pressure. I mean, you think back when you were a, a college student, you're looking forward to it. You're anticipating it. You want to at least say you tried to, uh, to uh, start your college year. The key here is to get people to accept their fate, right? When you cancel college before the students even get there, you're always going to say, ah, what if I tried? What, what if I'd at least gone and tried to, to what if I'd given it a try? Gave it the old you know, college what? try. Yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, at least by sending the students there and seeing the consequences in real life, you realize, uh-oh, this isn't going to work after all. We did the best we could and it didn't work. So we have to try plan B. I think uh, as this is as much a, a process of getting parents and students to accept their fate uh, more so than a screw up by the college administration, it seems to me. I was talking to a couple of the parents in our newsroom today, Chris Sullivan, who has a, a freshman at Montana State, and also Ursula Roydstein, who just dropped off her son. Uh, I, think she goes, I think he goes to the University of Colorado. Uh, and they're both just like waiting essentially for an outbreak to happen on their campuses and 
maybe their kids just go to go to online learning um, or come home. Who who really knows at this point? Do they call off school now and just go to online learning like UW and Wazoo are doing? Well, they haven't had that break yet, right? Yeah, yeah. And let's remember, these kids were smart enough to get into college. Yeah, they're smart enough to look at what's happening around them. And they now know the consequences as we hear more and more of these examples of schools opening and having to close after a week. We know that masks work when everybody wears them. So the logical thing would be to expect kids to say, let's see, I have a choice. Do I party and potentially end my college year now or do I put off partying until we get a vaccine and stay at college? And that will end up being an individual decision. Well, actually, a collective decision. Student bodies that collectively decide to mask up and do the safe thing will get their college year. And those that don't will go back home. A COVID-19 outbreak on a fishing vessel in Seattle may provide a key piece of evidence about coronavirus antibodies. When the vessel set sail in May... All of the 122 crew members had their blood samples collected by UW Medicine's Clinical Virology Lab. Then, an outbreak infected more than 85% of the crew. But the blood results from three of the crew members who never got sick indicate that they had a robust number of antibodies at the start of the trip. And the report from the University of Washington calls that hopeful news. Yes, so we know it's not exactly ethical to purposefully expose people with antibodies to the virus to see if those antibodies work. But this is a real life, you know, natural case study, even though it's not yet peer reviewed. It's a rare chance to see how the virus immunity will work. But it's it seems to me a little bit tenuous because it conceivably could have been a coincidence that those mm-hmm. who had the antibodies happened not to get sick because there, apparently there were some crew members who didn't have the antibodies who also right. did, not get, did not get sick. Um, I remember early on in this, I was talking to Dr. Cohen about it, that in an emergency, apparently it could be considered ethical to deliberately expose people, mm-hmm. people who were you know, determined to be healthy enough, to the virus as a test if, of course, they agree to it. There's a risk to that. Uh, I don't I, I have not heard of it being done yet. If it turns out, though, that the the traditional way of testing goes on too long and uh, economically gets too desperate, maybe that's what you'd have to do to decide which virus is effective enough to start giving to the, the bulk of the population. I can't think of anything that would be better scientifically anyway than to give someone the vaccine and then squirt them with a the virus <laughs> and see if they get sick. But again, you'd have to have some pretty courageous volunteers to, to sign up for that. Maybe college kids could help out with that. Those college kids sitting at home with nothing to do. We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.